You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. All right. I know you couldn't hear the audio at the beginning there, but he said, we are about to talk about some things you don't normally hear talked about in church. And uh, so if you're visiting with us, uh, we're glad that you're here today. We've been uh, doing a, a, a series of sermons uh, uncomfortable for uh, preachers to preach about. And uh, so we've talked about sex, we've talked about pornography, we've talked about politics, we've talked about drugs. And uh, so this is uh, towards the end here. Uh, but it's been great. We've had some great feedback. Uh, I've heard a lot of great comments. I know a lot of uh, people have shared uh, on Facebook or, or in person just how they've really gotten a lot out of our, our series. And, uh, but we realized, I realized something as I was preparing for this lesson, I realized uh, we've been negligent in something pretty big, and that is that in all six of these lessons, we have not told any elephant jokes. So I want to apologize that, uh, that we've not done that. I'm not going to, I won't do six, I'll do three, how about that? And uh, I'll make up some more next week. But uh, this was a huge thing in the, in the 60s, some of you might be old enough to remember the elephant joke phrase in our country. Uh, I'm not, but some, some are. So here's a couple of elephant jokes for you. Why don't el- African elephants like to play cards? Why? Yeah, why don't Af- yeah. Because of all the cheetahs. Yeah, I need Jerry up here. Uh, why did the gra- what did the grape say when the elephant stepped on it? Nothing, it just let out a little whine. (laughs) I hear a lot of groans, come on. Give me some laughs. How do you make an elephant float? Ow, yeah. Uh, Take two scoops of ice cream, some soda, and one elephant. That's good, I like that. I like that one the best. It's an elephant floats. Okay, I bought my friend an elephant for their room. Uh, they said, thanks. I said, don't mention it. Ah, uh, okay. So, we are mentioning the elephants in the room. And uh, the, to- the, the lesson today, actually we're going to take two weeks on this. And that is the topic of race and racism. Uh, This is a huge elephant in the room in our country right now. This is a huge issue. Uh, Last December, Time Magazine did a a, a study on race relations, and through uh, this this poll that they took, uh, it showed that race relations were at a 20-year low, and that was last December. So think of all the country. A lot of tension between people, a lot of protest. A lot of countries very divided, and that's even before all the political stuff. You know, you, you bring. And so there's a there, this is a huge issue, and people can talk past each other when it comes to this stuff. You know, people kind of can get into their camps, their little silos, and they listen to voices that they like. They listen to voices that are like theirs, and they just kind of eat. You know, get in echo chambers, and then when it comes to trying to have dialogue, people talk right past each other. So in the church, we really want to be able to have dialogue. We really want to be able to have unity. And the, the, the cool thing about uh, the kingdom of God is that we can have differences and we can have 
uh, different opinions even, but, but we can still be totally united. And we can have healthy relationships. And, uh, you know, if, if there's anywhere that's going to be the answer for this issue, it's in the scriptures, and it's in the Bible, and it's in following Jesus, and it's in God's word. And, and you guys represent the hope for our society in a very real way. You know, the kingdom of God is the answer for the issues in our world right, right now. But more than any other topic that we've covered so far, maybe, maybe other than next to politics, this can cause deep division. And it can cause deep feelings and deep emotions. And it, it's, it's some, some heavy stuff. And for us in the church, the key is not to view things the way the world views things. You know, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.16, we have stopped regarding... We've stopped regarding others for a worldly point of view. We don't with others. The more it glorifies God. Perspectives next we're going to have a panel discussion. We're hear from more individual perspectives. What we're doing today is really setting up the topic with just some Bible teaching and and, and digging into some scriptures uh, that help us to have a godly mindset. Because again, we don't want to think about things the way the world does. We don't want to have a worldly mindset. We want to have a godly mindset. And so we're going to be looking at some teaching from Paul. And uh, preparing for this topic, I felt like, I'm not sure exactly how I ended up with this one as well. I got the sex one and this one. But, uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, preparing for it, you know, I, I, I had a lot of conversations. I prayed a lot. I listened to about five different sermons on this topic. Um, and, uh, you know, the more I thought about it, I kept thinking, I kept going back to this one passage of Scripture that I've been doing a lot of study uh, for, for, uh, for my, my classes. I'm taking some classes at Pepperdine. Let me just show you. Uh, I, I was crazy. I'll just sort of show you. Uh, so we're going to be looking at Philippians, if you want to be turning over to Philippians, so how does, this is a pair uh, how does this relate to these? I, I don't share that to say, oh, look at all the hard work I've done. I share it to say, the Bible is so and, you know, this passage we're going to look at, I've looked at many, many, many times, uh, used many times, many lessons, many counseling appointments, but I saw so many new things I'd never seen before just because I spent a lot of time just sitting and looking at the Word. And so the Word of God is amazing, you know, meditating on the Word like a tree that puts down roots. That's what's so amazing about God's Word. So we're going to pray, and then we're going to look at Philippians. And uh, so bow with me, and then uh, be turning there in your Bible, please. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to uh, get to look in your word. Thank you that we have such immediate access to the Bible that anybody in the world can pull up the Bible on their phone. Uh, God, it's just so cool, uh, even how you've used different translators and different... ...translations possible of... Of, of what the original texts were. And it's just amazing how your word is alive in any language, in any how it speaks to us. I pray that you give us grace and truth about this time. Paul in Rome awaiting his trial. There's another argument that this happened. 
recorded in Acts. Anyway, he had started the church in Philippi. He went to Philippi to begin with. He was going to go into Asia Minor. Or if it was more like, just nothing is working. I kind of think it was probably more like that. You know how that happens sometimes in our life. Opposed to me doing that, Paul goes, oh wait, maybe the Spirit is trying to keep us from doing this. And so after the Spirit, he's probably frustrated because he's not able to do what his plan was. He sees this vision of a man from Macedonia. Macedonia is Greece. And so that was across the water from where he was. He was in, in modern-day Turkey. So this is a vision of somebody in Greece uh, saying, come and help us, preach the word to us. So he goes, okay, that seals it. The Spirit wants us to go to Greece. So they go across the water. Uh, they land in one port, and then they go to Philippians, which is near the port. Philippians was the most prominent city in this whole area. It was a Roman colony, and uh, the, the, the citizens took great pride in their Roman citizenship. And, uh, you know, they, they were men of country. And they, they were also very, it was a pretty wealthy uh, society there. They had mines there that, that provided a lot of wealth. And so there were people who were very wealthy, but there was a lot of class distinctions. There was soldiers, there were slaves, and, and there was wealthy, and there was poor. And it was very much like our modern-day society. They called it a mini-Rome, uh, the, the city of Philippi. And so, much like America, you know, there's a lot of wealth, but there's some that have nothing. There's a lot of disparity. And uh, the Jews were actually a minority there. Go to the synagogue and, and hang out with the Jews that were like him, because he had an immediate uh, context, immediate conversations, and then he'd convert some Jews, and then he'd get kicked out of there, and then he'd go convert Gentiles. So, but there was, no, uh, there was no synagogue in Philippi, so that tells us it was a real minority of Jews. There was not that many. But he, so he goes instead to... The river, where that's where the he expected this is where the Jews will probably gather here on the Sabbath to pray, is at this river. Sure enough, there's some Jews gathered there, and Lydia, who is a wealthy Jew, she was a dealer in purple, which was real expensive. Uh, purple was the bling of the day. Uh, so if you got purple, it showed you had a lot of money. Uh, Lydia was a dealer of purple, so she was a wealthy Jew. She and her household become disciples there uh, that day, and then. Uh, some other things happen. He ends up getting uh, called. I won't go into the whole story, but anyway, he lives. He ends up in jail because of preaching the word there in Philippi. And then many of us know the story of, of, of uh, Acts 16, where the Philippian jailer, in the middle of the night, because of Paul's uh, and Silas's example, that he goes, "What do I need to do to be saved?" And that in the middle of the night, they preach the word to the jailer, and then he and his whole household are baptized there in the, in the middle of the night there in Philippi. So that's the start of the church. You have a wealthy Jewish woman, Lydia, and her family. You have a, a jailer, a Roman, the government, and his family. So you can see already, there's kind of these are two very different communities coming together just to very start the church in Philippi. And we can infer that there were some issues with unity in the church in Philippi from some of the things Paul says in the letter. But uh, going through about uh, his own struggle. And Paul gives this, throughout, uh, my argument today is that throughout Philipp Philippians, Paul's going to say, we need to have a different mindset than the world. We need to have a mindset of Christ. And the mindset we have is foreign to the world. It doesn't make sense to the world. And so, for example, Paul says, what's happened to me, being in prison, this is actually good. You know, nobody from a worldly standpoint would think, oh, this is a good thing. 
But Paul's perspective is this is good because more people are becoming Christians. Me going lower, me being humbled, me going through something difficult is resulting in That's a very different perspective than the world has. And then in, 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 uh, in this kind of, I'm wrestling with this, I should be facing much better <laughs> because I'm in prison. with the race. But he goes, for you, for your sake, for the sake of the kingdom, it's probably better that I keep living because I can it's gonna what should I choose? You know, in the world. The worldly perspective is what can I do to stay alive no matter what? And even as disciples, you know, the idea of should I choose getting to die and be with Jesus or should I choose getting to live that, that's not something probably goes through our minds much. And, uh, and yet Paul had a very different perspective. So then we get to Philippians uh, 1, trying to get them. So let's talk about you. Worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted you, oh, you know, oh, how lucky you are, on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Oh, thanks, Paul. It's been granted to you to get to suffer for Jesus. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So Paul writes this letter. This is about 10 years after the church had been started there. He had heard from Epaphroditus how it was going there, and Epaphroditus had brought a financial gift for Paul's ministry. Paul was in prison, and it was common for being in prison for you to have to pay your own, uh, your own bills, even though you're in prison. So you're not working, you can't earn anything, but then you get out, oh, you owe all this. So th they sent a gift to help him out, and Ep Epaphroditus brings it to Paul along with some news. And so he writes this letter, sends it back with Epaphroditus. And so he's saying, I I'm hearing that, you know, I'm hearing these different things, but here's my, here's my prayer for you, that you guys are one in spirit, and you strive together as one against the enemy. And he says, that's a sign that they're going to be destroyed, but that you will be saved, that you are the kingdom of God, that God's on your side. The unity and the lack of fear that you show is a sign that this is the real deal. And, and so this, this uh, where it says one spirit striving together as one, you see that? Is that text big enough to see? Uh, that word, striving together as one, that's one, uh, one Greek word that means like in the same fight, fighting back to back, in the same battle. Fighting side by side. So there's no, there's no one over another. We're, we're together. We're in the battle together. That's the, the picture of unity in the church that God gives. And I just appreciate in the church that we, we, can, we can do that. We can have brothers and sisters we work alongside with. You know, in, in, in approaching this topic and in, in thinking about this lesson and, and, and what we'd be covering the next week or two, I, Calvin Johnson was, was so valuable. His his input and his help and we talked for a long time a couple times this week we talked a long, long time on the phone and i feel like with calvin like we're fighting side by side you know we both believe that racism is wrong we both see the injustices in our country i see you know i don't 
see it in a, as much of a real way as he does, and so he's educating me. We have different perspectives. You know, we all live in a culture, but, but together we can strive together. I'm not over Calvin, and Calvin's not over me. We're side by side in the gospel, and I'm so grateful for relationships like that. And, you know, Calvin and Elaine are going to uh, share communion here in a little bit after this lesson, and appreciate them so much. They're such a great example in our community of fighting side by side with everybody here. Uh, you know, they, they live on the hill in PV. Uh, uh, Doc works at the, the, the hospital for the stars, you know. But you don't get this feeling like, oh, there are these uppity people. You know, they're like side by side with everybody. You know, that, I love that in the kingdom. It's so awesome. And Calvin has does all this education, all this expertise, and he helps people when they're in, in medical trouble. And, you know, they, they serve hope worldwide, and they, they, they do so much. So I'm, I'm so grateful that that's, that's the kind of partnership that we have. So then he gets to uh, Philippians 2, and I have two points from Philippians 2. This is where I really have spent a lot of time. And uh, number one is humility unites us. is going to be he who unites us. And so we're going to look at these, humility who unites us and he who unites us. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Paul is using a kind of a, a rhetorical flourish here saying, kind of like an exaggeration like if you have any encouragement would you absolutely you know he's kind of like exaggerating of course i have any encouragement if you have any comfort if you have any tenderness and compassion if there's any benefit you have at all to being a christian then be united be of one mind be humble um you know of course we have so much to be grateful for but we can sometimes lose sight of that we can sometimes kind of get in our own zone and we just start to feel sorry for ourselves, our own plight, our own hardship, our own difficulty. Everybody here faces difficulty, but we can kind of forget how much we've been given. We've been given encouragement. We've been given unity in Christ. We've been given tenderness and compassion, sharing with the Spirit. We all have God's grace. And yet, you know, we can end up kind of drifting from each other or seeing things differently because... As I mentioned, we're, we're all sitting in our own culture, and we all view the world from our own set of eyes and our own set of experiences. Remember, again, the church in Philippi began with the, the Jewish minority, with, with uh, Greeks, Romans, slaves, soldiers, all these different people. And so he's saying, be of one, be of one mind, be of one spirit, have this godly mindset. And it takes work. It takes work to keep that unity. It doesn't just happen by itself. I think that's why he's saying, finish the job. Make my joy complete. Finish the job by being of like mind. And uh, I want to, this is the last Greek word I'm going to bother you with, I think. But uh, this, this is, I have to do this for school, let's do these Greek studies, and I'm getting so much out of it because the, the New Testament was written in Greek originally. And so this word that's translated of one mind there, bold, the last part, uh, it used to be uh, the NIV used this but it's it's like you know there's certain some of you speak another language some of you speak uh spanish or or uh, some other language tagalog or whatever and you know that it's not like every english word lines up to every spanish word it's not like every english word lines up to a tagalog word there's certain words that it's hard to kind of 
even translates. And this is one of those that's like that, this Greek word phroneo. It appears 26 times in the New Testament, and so I looked up all 26 times to try to get a sense of what does this word mean in context, all you know, 26 places it appears, phroneo. And I'm not going to show you all 26 times, but it appears six times just in Philippians. And so I, I, I do want to show you those. And it means, like here it says one mind, like I said, it used to be translated same purpose. What it means is you. Aligning your, your whole worldview. It's an intentional mindset. And it's not just kind of some thoughts up here. Uh, the Greeks believed the seat of, of emotion and personality was down deep, like down here, diaphragm. So they think the word comes from diaf the diaphragm. Like down deep, what do you really think? What do you really feel? How do you really think about things? And he's saying that's the mindset. That's how you need to align yourself with one another, having that same down deep mindset. We need, to sh we need to share that mindset. We need to get to that place. We have the same mindset. Just to give you an example of some of these other places this word is used, like when a lot of times it's aligning your mindset with something. Like you remember when uh, Peter has a good answer, when Jesus says, who do you say I am? Peter's like, well, we believe you're the Christ, the Messiah. And Jesus is like, yeah, Peter, you got that. That wasn't revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. Peter's like, yes, got one right. So then Jesus goes from there to saying, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be rejected, I'm going to be killed. And then Peter's like, I guess maybe he was confident because he got the one right. So then he's like, Lord, this is never going to happen to you. We will not let this happen to you. And Jesus rebukes him. Get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. This is the word he uses, phreneo. Peter, your thinking from down deep is you're aligning your thinking with a worldly mindset. You're not aligning your thinking with a godly mindset, Jesus says. Um, another example is in Romans 8 where Paul says, Phrneo, we don't phrneo the, the flesh, it's the spirit. You, know, you have a choice. Are you going to be from down deep fleshly worldly mindset or from down deep a spiritual mindset? How will you align yourself? And, uh, and so then one, one other example I'm going to put on the screen here of this word, phroneo, is, is in Romans 12, because I think this has to do with our conversation. There's the word, phroneo, if you want to impress your friends. Phroneo. Uh, Romans 12, he said, this is another example. He says, by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself, phroneo, from down deep, more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you, many members and these members do not all have the same function so in Christ we though many form one body each member belongs to all the others so we need to align our mindset with this of a corporate body it's not just about me I need to think of myself with with sober judgment with a sane mind with with rational thinking that wait I have a body you belong to me I belong to you Right? It's not a, what you do affects me. What I do affects you. That's the body in Christ. You might think, oh, it doesn't really matter whether I show up to midweek or not. It matters. You know, you think, well, I don't have a, I, I'm not really, I don't really have a responsibility. I'm not a small group leader. I don't, I don't set up the chairs or anything like that. No, it, just you being there at midweek makes a big difference. It's like, oh, so-and-so's here. Oh, it's so good to see you, bro. Everything that you do, it affects the rest of the body. We are one body. We are a unit. You can't think just, 
I can do whatever I want. It's all just about me. Paul says that, that's not the right mindset. And so then uh, coming back to, uh, to, to Philippians. So he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, like just about you. Rather than humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. The NIV used to say, uh, not looking only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Now it says, not looking to your own interests at all. Like, <laughs> Don't worry about you. You will get taken care of. What we got to focus on in our mindset is, what, what, what are, what's their worldview? What's their experience? That's the way to unity, is humility. And going, okay, my way is not necessarily the best way. Or, you know, I'm not going to be consumed with me. I need to think outside of me and look to others' interests. That's where we align our mindset, others above ourselves. And that is countercultural for sure. Uh, so, so how does this apply to me? How does this apply to this whole idea of, of race and racism? And, you know, I think we can, and I'm, I'm a white guy, so I'm going to speak to the white guys here for a minute, white guys and gals. I think we can see things from a very white standpoint, but maybe we don't even think we do. What I mean is, you know, if you're white, you don't really think about being white that much. You know, for me, uh, you know, when I go to, when I've gone to Singapore, you know, I've thought about the fact that I don't look like anybody else on the plane or anybody else in the city. Or, or when I've gone to Guadalajara, you know, I'm the only white person I can see for miles around. You know, then I think about it. You know, or I've gone to funerals or, or weddings in South Central or, or South LA, I mean, and, uh, you know, I'm, it's all black people and I'm the only white person. Then I think about it. But every day, I don't really think about it that much. Talking with Calvin, it's like I think about being black every time I get behind the wheel of a car. It's a daily, living in PV, I think about it every single day. Timothy Keller said that a black person told him, he said, white people think that you don't have a culture. You don't have a way. It's just the way. It's, it's not a white way. It's just this is the way. And, and it's, we, because we're, we're just not used to super insane. You know, so, so as black friends, help me think about it. There is a white way of talking or a white way of being or a white way of, of walking. Or It's like, really? You know, that there are different perspectives and there are different ways of doing things and 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 so the elephant in the room is that you know we have a history of of white people treating everybody else in the entire world Indians, I mean any culture anywhere that's the elephant in the room white people and particularly in our country you know hundreds of years of treating black people horribly and so as white people, sometimes we don't know, how do I respond to that? Like, either we go, oh, I feel so guilty. I feel like ashamed of my own race. I feel guilty. Or we go, well, that wasn't me. I didn't, I have never, bad, bad happened to me. Well, I didn't do that. Uh, that doesn't do anything for me. He feels all down and guilty. Thing happened to me. That's not good either. What I want for her is, is to go, oh my gosh, tell me more. Oh, how did that make you feel? Oh, I could see how you would feel that way. Like, oh, I just love that when she's like, oh, 
that must have been so frustrating, honey. I'm like, yes, that's what I need. Validation. And, and so I think with, with issues of race, it's not helpful to kind of go talk. We need to be open. We need to want to learn. We never fully understand, but we need to try, right? Each of you not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Because the fact is, a lot of people have gone through a lot of hard things. And, you know, in, in, in another passage, it talks about the body of Christ, 1 Corinthians 12. Paul says, when one part suffers, every perspective we have to have. You know, when Jacques tells me, you know, uh, and being pulled over for being black, and, and, you know, how he doesn't want to walk alone in understand this. I want to know. When one part suffers, every part suffers. And, you know, our church has done, I mean, our, our, I mean, for, for, amen for the ICOC. Diversity is very unique. And, and, And for the most part, they all have the same race. And that's just a given. And so I'm so proud. We started a church in South Africa in the middle of apartheid with blacks and whites. I mean, that's an awesome thing we can be proud of in our Long way to go to that total unity of mindset Paul described. The world doesn't get it. Uh, it said, uh, There's a huge difference in the way that whites and blacks view race relations in the U.S., 46% of white Americans think race relations are generally good. 45% says they're generally bad. With black Americans, on the other hand, 61% say race relations are bad, and only 34% say they're good. There's a big difference in how white people and black people view race relations just to begin with, just to, that perspective. Blacks overwhelmingly say that members of the African-American community are treating less fairly than whites during police interactions. That's 84% of black people say it's not, that's not, we're treated fair, unfairly. In sports, 75%. In the workplace, 64%. And when applying for loans, 66%. That's how the black people view those things. For whites, less than half agree on it. Only 25% of whites are thinking in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they've come side by side in the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. So Paul says, uh, it's almost like all of Philippians was kind of for this moment of Philippians. And I, my guess is he thought, okay, well, if these two are not getting along, there's probably a lot more issues in the church. Side by side, so. I mean, if you look at all of his teaching and all of it by side, we're parallel. We're, we're one. Authentiki. Yodia, I mean, you got to align your thinking. And, and so I, I share that just to say, this happens in the church. There were racial issues in the church in the, of, of that. The book of Corinthians are full of all these, these tensions between Jew and Gentile and these issues of culture. So it's going to happen in our fellowship. But we got to put practice we talked about. So Euodia and Syntyche, okay, they got to go. And united, the more we're side by side, the more impact this church will have. And we'll talk more about that a little bit next week. So uh, let's focus on Jesus. Let's focus on how he emptied himself and became nothing so that we can imitate him. And uh, I'm going to turn it over to the Johnsons. They're going to share communion right now. Uh, Let's give them a hand. 
Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.